0: Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Joss de Block. Uh Joss, you've been on my bucket list for uh, years to get on the show. I'm thrilled that uh, we're now able to make it. Uh, I've heard the the Bertolt story which we'll get into um in many different you know books and va- variations. Uh, it's always inspired me. So now to have with me the the man who was uh, there at the at the birth of that organization uh, is a great thrill. So Josteblock uh, Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Richard. Um, so for our listeners who've not heard of you or or Burt Talk, let's um can we sort of take them back to I believe it's 2007 right like when 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 the organization got its start um, what is it how how did it get how did it get its uh, its birth into this world? Oh well, the birth was um, already
1: in 2006. Um I I I've been a long, uh, I have a long career in healthcare. So uh, at the moment, almost 40 years. But um, 15 years ago, I um, I wanted to combine all my experiences in a kind of a design, a model. Uh, from which I thought this is much more sustainable than the existing models we have. So I've been a community nurse for many years. I've been a director in a home care organization and I have my own views on how should we deal with uh, hierarchy or not. How can we support professionals in a good way and how can we create conditions that are really helpful for uh, professional healthcare workers in their daily work. So based on all these ideas and experiences, I designed a Bursorg, a community care model uh, together with some friends. So we took uh, one and a half year, I think, in total, from 2004 to 2006. In 2006, I designed um, in a kind of a plan everything I thought was needed at that moment. And uh, my idea was if we start small with one... One team, and I start to work myself again as a nurse, we can show what it is so that it's not only theory, but it's also practical. And even before that, I tried to uh, sell it to some other organizations. So there were, I think, five or six organizations. And then um, my idea was to make it a kind of franchise um, franchise model. Um And after some disappointing um, uh, experiences with with organizations i i, I uh, tried to implement it i started I started for myself so I said okay uh I think the the best possible way to show it is to start from scratch and to build it up myself with all the ideas I have so that was the at the end of two thousand six, so then we had one team. We had a turnover in 2006 of 400 euro, um, and then in 2007 um, we said, okay, if we can if we can make this work in different places, and we can show what it is, groups of nurses working autonomous in self-organized teams in neighborhoods. Um, then my expectation was that everybody would like to want it, they would would want this because it's good for the nurses it's good for the patients and it will lead to less cost for the system so that was my assumption so this uh, this year of uh, 2007 um the beginning was quite difficult because it's like every small company when you start i think it's trying to um and you need to cover the costs so you have to find um people who want to support you um, of course, you have to f- to have the nurses, <laughs> um, but it was quite easy. Um, so, and we we didn't want to be de- depending on investors. So I wanted to have to. Uh, I wanted to be um, a foundation, a not-for-profit foundation, because that was, I think, the the best fit for uh, the with the professional professional ethics of of nurses. So they yeah. they don't like. Um, that the idea is uh, used in a commercial way, so they they want to follow their professional ethics and want to do what's needed for the patient. So, they said, okay, that's in Holland. It will be uh, a foundation. Uh, we we need to arrange everything around us with uh, health insurance, uh, care offices, municipalities, and so on. So, bit by bit, in 2007, we. Um, we developed this network, what was needed. And we even got a lot of support, but what was a bit unexpected. So I, one of the things which really helped was already in the in summer of 2007, I got um, a visit from the Minister of Health. And it was a lady, I had Pussumaker, she had heard about it because we were on television when we was just very small. We had four teams, I think. And we were on television and she said, I I read something about it. Can I visit you for a day? So I said, of course, you're very welcome. Uh, You can join on your bicycle with one of the nurses, visit the patients, and then you can see, and then we can organize a roundtable meeting where you can ask all the questions you want from the nurses because it's not about me. It is about what the nurses are doing and the impact it has on the patient's life and on the nurse's life. so so she did and then from that day she said I will support this so she wrote it in her blog so that was a very important psychological moment that we feel supported by the leading uh, politician in this area so this was what happened in the first years and then okay we we were I think quite happy with what happened because we were break even in the first year so at, at at the end of the first year, we already had twelve teams, I think, all over the country. We had a turnover of uh, one million, and we said, "Okay, oh. if if this works in twelve different places in the country, it will probably work everywhere." So this was the, this was the beginning.
0: Uh, so you got off to a flying start, really?
1: Yeah, m- yeah. More or less, we. So I, I already said about this. The support from the minister was very, mm. but, but. Um, there was also um, an a, pr- a program in healthcare at that moment uh, which also started in 2007 which was called the transition program so and there was a big need and search for new ways of doing things because a lot of people felt that we got we got stuck in the system so a lot of people were dis uh were uh, disappointed um were not happy with how the system worked up till then, so from the nursing side, so a lot of nurses quit their jobs, uh, but also from the patient side, there were a lot of frustrations about the complexity of the system. so if you needed help, you had to go to a certain office who was deciding on what your rights were, so how many hours, how many what kind of products you got, then you had to go to a health uh, to a, a home care organization. Then somebody was doing the assessment and the other one was doing the uh, the activities. And also the activities were split in several persons. So the complex uh, activities by the nurse and the less complex activities by a personal carer or something or a, a, a nurse assistant. So many people had a part in this delivering of healthcare. And I said, no, you should... You should create continuity in person, so you should from um, from the nurse side, it's important that you understand what patients uh, are going through or where patients are going through, what their history is, and how you can lead them through to um, a, a phase which is very vulnerable, very uh, difficult sometimes. so there you need continuity in person. So we said we are going to integrate all these activities So from a holistic perspective. And these nurses are doing and the complex things and also the more uh, simple things because you need the simple things to understand what's really needed to do. So you right. can look at it from uh, the activity side, the gym, to wash somebody, what kind of skills do you need? But to understand the possibilities in mobility, therefore you need to work with people to see and understand what is possible. So based on the clear philosophy on self-support and uh, prevention, we said, okay, this, this is what we're going to build. We're going to show uh, what, it, uh, what, what results are. And we're going to try to give everybody who wants this, we are going to hire and we're going to give them uh, contracts and we will see how it will develop. So that was from the start our our assumption it would grow fast and we would we would uh, be able to scale it because of the autonomous teams and we were already planning to create software which supports it.
0: Right, right. And and you've alluded to it a little bit there, but just draw out some of the distinctions. So so in terms of what's different, so you've already explained that. Nurses are now doing a much wider range of activities. We've not got this delineation of roles. Um, they're organized into t- teams. You took autonomous teams. What were what some of the other important differences between that they work and the way that you'd experienced nursing prior to that? Um, We wanted
1: to, to move from uh, a product and activity-driven way of working to a more outcome Way of doing things. So we said, what's important for patients is that you do the right uh, interventions at the right moment um, in the right way. So we said, uh, this is a very uh, complex process because it's different with everybody. So it's um, uh, what you see is that uh, when you have a linear process where you focus on the activities then uh, the patient uh, got lost. It was a big change in the system because all the whole system was based on a linear process where the activities um, were, de- were decided on by a certain office and where the activities were planned by somebody in the office. So I said, no, if you want to do it in a holistic way, focusing on outcome, then you have to have the autonomy to decide every moment what you should do. So, so, and you have to integrate all the activities. And my assumption was that if you focus on the outcome, then the results will improve because you are focusing more on the problems and then what kind of interventions go with it. And then how can you do it in a kind of uh, circular way so that Every time can you reflect on what you're doing and you make your decisions yourself in every so in this process which is much simpler uh then um, you see that the, the relationship between the patient and the nurse becomes stronger, so you have only have to deal with a few people and they have a more uh more the focus on the on the patient and it's more um um, how can I say it it's it's driven by the needs of the patient so it's not driven by the regulations, it's not driven by the financials but it's driven by what is needed at this moment with this patient so and the systems around it uh, were very um, um, they were very rigid at that moment we started so you had to you had to uh, administer or do the registration on the minute. So, so right. many minutes for this product, so many minutes for that product. And, and it's in many countries it, a, a problem. So, I said, no, we, we only want to deliver one service. And that's helping people in their daily life, quality of life. So, we wow. said one service and we call it Buurtzorg. So, uh, that comes in, the, in place. Of these twenty different products, and when you have one service, then you don't need to think about all these different activities because it's all integrated in one service so it's it's, simp- it's simplifying the whole system so you need you don't need to spend too time to 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 register all the moments and products and 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 time you can focus on the patients and you can um, based on your skills and your background as a nurse, you can do what you think is needed so it it has a lot of advantages to do it this way but of course, we had to discuss with the health insurance with the inspection with the ministry what kind of changes are needed in the system to support this so and Because of what I said of this Minister of health that she was so supportive, she was very open in. Trying to find ways to support us and so so we got uh very easily we got the uh the space to experiment, so we got paid in another way, so they even made on a national level they made a special code for us but there is a in the whole system, and then it still took i think five six seven years that they um, uh, integrated it in the law. So that it became the standard. So, with, oh wow. Yeah. So that's, it. so we had, um, in, in time, we had quite an, an uh, influence on, on the, the, the changes in the system because we proved from the start that the results were much better. So that uh, satisfaction was ha- very high. Uh, the nurse satisfaction was very high and, most important for the the people who look at it from a financial side, uh, the costs per client were significantly lower. Yeah. So and it was, but everybody surprised because they thought we have we build a very efficient system. So it can, I said, it can be efficient in its processes, but it's not effective. Yeah. So you should you should focus on effectiveness. So effective yeah. interventions instead of uh, doing things as fast as possible within the the, um, the 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 way we did it before. So, how did, I think it was in in some ways it was very efficient, but it was not effective at all. So
0: yeah. that's what's extraordinary here. And there was a similar story about a health organization in in India on a previous podcast that had the similar results. So the costs have gone down, staff satisfaction has gone up. And yeah. client satisfaction has gone up, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's through trusting or simplifying the process. It sounds like the uh, yeah. term that we often hear in lean circles is a north star. So there's just a singular you know, purpose or mission or whatever we might call it, a guiding principle
1: yeah,
0: uh, about improving people's quality of life. And then the, the nurses are trusted to orient themselves, however, yeah. Uh, in whatever way is needed in order to achieve that outcome
1: yes and there are i think there there were some practical things which uh, i think that if what you're doing every day is has a certain logic in it that it's um, uh, it creates ownership uh, so if you ha- if you create this environment where people can follow the routines which are which are logic and they they can decide. On, on almost everything themselves, uh, then uh it will this this self organis the self-organizational principles will develop all the time themselves. So so the teams get um throughout the years they reach every time they reach another level in, in the way they deal with problems, in the way they communicate with their environments, the way they they deal with patients. So, so the my my uh idea was to create a kind of organic way of growing, so personal growth, but also the uh the growth of the teams. So and so we had the idea from the start that we say, okay, when teams become bigger than 10, then they should think about uh splitting up into teams and then grow keep on growing. so, so we had places where but one team started for a village or a part of the city, and then they took two teams with two neighborhoods. Then from two to four, from four to eight. So it was kind of a um, uh, kind of 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 growth, which looked a bit like like just how plants and 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 uh, animals and people are growing in in cells. So.
0: And in terms of the way it's emerged, um, for you, you talked, you touched on self-development there. Like what or personal growth? What's in what ways have you grown
1: through this process? Oh, I think perhaps other people should say that. But um, what I learned uh, must to trust on my own. Intuition. I think it's, um I think it's quite important. I think what you what you ask now, because I had in the beginning uh, I felt that I had to unlearn things. So you know, I I also did the MBA study. I was director for many years. I I was champion in making plans. So on on. Every topic. I was director of innovations. I did twenty five projects at the same time. So I had to, I had to stop making plans, for example. So I had to, uh, I had to listen to, to the nurses. Um, they were going to tell me what they needed, but also what they didn't need. So I, I remember that I had a group of nurses together. And I was standing in in, in front of the I um, call it flip over, and and I was I was flip trying to, eh?
0: flip chart yeah
1: Yeah, flip chart and and I was trying to ex, to explain them the balance scorecard, and <laughs> there were some some nurses who were looking at me, and they said, why why should we do this? <laughs> I said yeah it's a way to to find out what your goals for the coming year could be or and it gives a balance in different topics and while i was doing this i was thinking it's silly that i'm doing this nobody's asking for it right so and uh, so that was the moment that i uh became aware that i had to stop with thinking this way and reflect, reflect on what, but, but we were doing at that moment, and it was a process in the first years that um, I feel, if, if I look back now, that I feel that now I'm following my intuition, my what I what I see and my experience about what's happening, and when I started, I still had the idea that. Um, I had to do a lot of things to make it happen. So, right. And now uh, it's 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 funny that um, if I look where it comes from, also the ideas is that I'm closer to to the to the moment that I was arrived seventeen, eighteen years old. So then I was with this open mind, looking at the world, and I don't have this um all these things on my back which i learned in all these courses and, and and studies and so on so i i had to go back to um my my finding myself again in a way that i could look in an open way to what was happening yeah so, and now you can say it like it's you develop wisdom or, or you Call it something, but I think I, in a certain way, I had this intuition when I was on um, the secondary school and looking at the world. And sometimes it feels now I'm I'm now sixty plus, and it feels now that I'm closer to that period. And in between, I had to have this experience to understand the world, how it works. So it was useful to to have done all these things but um and i integrated i think this 40 years all these experiences in this design and i learned myself what is the best way to to deal with it so to deal with it in in itself but also to deal with it in the outside world so and for, to give you an example i um i'm i'm involved in a lot of different activities in in thinking about the future of health or other topics, education. And usually I I don't prepare anything. So I listen and I try to see what's happening and I try to reflect on what's happening. Uh, And then I try to contribute from what is there. (laughs) Yes. and, And usually something comes out of it, which is sometimes very useful, sometimes not. But it's um interesting. Interesting question there. Richard.
0: Right. It sounds like it's it sounds like you've said two things. there's something about letting go. Like letting go of the of the something about like, is it compulsion to push or to yeah. to tell or to educate and 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 let that be a pull. Is it is it something like that? Like where where people pull something from you?
1: Yes, the, the, I think. But but um, Sharanandram she uh, did a lot of research in Butzog and um, she she described it at, as the needing principle. Needing principle. So the, she said what what Burtzorg is doing all the time is doing what's needed. So, and, and if you put it in a context in another organization, say, a lot of people are doing things which are not needed. So if you say you have a mission or, or, or vision or whatever, all these, all these things, and, and if we say, okay, we start, we start with the patient perspective and the patient's perspective is showing us what is needed. And everything around it, what we, what we do, should be based on that. So, and it's giving a lot of uh, space. It's also creating a lot of uh, ideas because everybody has a has a certain idea about how things uh, can develop, and, and take their responsibility in in what they see. So it creates many ideas if you if you look at. It. But it's always. Um It's always useful, so so working from out this needing principle, it's it's uh, um, it's helping a lot to focus on what is important. Right. So and then and then she said the second principle is the rethinking principle, and this is so that's a reflection on what you're doing, and trying to think about can you improve the things you're doing or. Uh, can you do some education or can you can you handle what you see or do you need some extra support for that? So this, these two principles are very, very important and they create a kind of culture where everybody is uh, helping each other in creating the best possible things for patients. Right. And it's always about that. So it's always about, okay, we have it, uh, we have a lot of problems we, which happens a lot, sometimes we have problems which are not so happening so often, and then let's find out what we need for new knowledge, new skills to deal with that. and it's a very um it's very relaxing. that's how I feel it in a certain way that you don't if you look at um, let's analyze the market of perfork, for example. Uh, let's uh, make policy plans on this and on that. That's not needed anymore. You don't need all these things to let all these things, which are which are needed for patients, to let it happen. You can, of course, you can think about some topics like e-health in healthcare, and then you can say, okay, who, how do we get more experience or more knowledge about what e-health can do for patients but then it's still then it's already integrated in the 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 thinking and the work of the of the the daily practice that the nurses are working in and if you look at if you if you put it in like uh, I was director innovations in the organization I worked before and then they expected me to create something on for example on e-health which was very abstract and was not, not connected with the daily work of the of the nurses. Yes. But I said, that's not necessary. <laughs> it should be impressive. It should be um, look like a big project, which people are willing to write about. So then you get the marketing and the PR become more important to what you really are doing. So I said, but I said part of it is fake. <laughs> So that's uh, somebody standing for my door. <laughs> um, so, so a lot of these things, if you look at it from a marketing perspective, then marketing, in my opinion, is not always based on the true world, the real world. Yeah. So when I said, what patients go through, that's real life. So, this is what I learned as a nurse. What's really important is when you when you are in the last phase of your life, when you are you know you're going to die. What is important? And for nurses, it's so important to do what is needed in this phase. I always say, you can only do it once. So, if the if somebody has cancer and somebody knows that, okay, within two months, I'm going to die. Then you know, okay, I have to support the family in the right way. I have to talk about certain topics because that will come. Patients will have pain, for example. So you can, in an early stage, you can start to think about, okay, what will we do when this is going to happen? Um, how do you want your family be involved? Can I teach your children what they can do if um, if this is going to happen, and you don't want to be depending on us? All these questions. If you don't do it, this last phase of your life will be different than one what it could be. So, and this is what a lot of people uh, you you I think you almost have to have been a nurse to understand this. So if people want to make it practical and say, "Okay, we make a protocol on it, and then it will work," but that's not true. Protocols can be very damaging for this process. So you have to be, you have to need this 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 trustful relationship with people. Um, Then they're going to tell you. Then they open up. Then they will tell you. I share you things which they don't share when it's just an activity. So you, as a person, are connecting you with this other person and then something exists. And this needs to happen every time again. So it's, yeah. and, and the moment with every patient, the moment that it happens that people open up is different. People have their own coping strategies. People have their own ways of dealing with problems. Uh, they have all families are different. So, of course, you, you know, what can happen? But the moment you're doing these things are different. And that's, that's the, what I say it is the craftsmanship. That is what the, in the, uh, tacit knowledge you developed in your life to deal with it. That creates this best way of doing things, not the protocols, not the evidence based things, but
0: the, the balance scorecards,
1: <laughs> not the balance court, but the practical wisdom. The intuition and uh, uh, and and your your uh, experience for as an as a nurse and your education. So, but it's and it's it's. I was always inspired by uh, Professor Nonaka. It is um, a Japanese professor who wrote a lot about tacit knowledge. So, in in our society, we try to make everything explicit. So we try to put it into Protocols and and, and regulations and so on. But most of the work of uh, nurses and, and it's also with teachers and doctors is in the heads of people. So it's based on year after year doing these things and understanding these patterns, these patterns and these patterns are so important. So you need, you need the environment and you need the autonomy and the space to do these things based on your um practical wisdom and intuition.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is what you said, I mean, you you're ending on the word intuition and you mentioned intuition in your own growth, right? And yeah. that's what you're trusting in others around you, right? You're trusting them to use their own intuition. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now the other thing that I know you've um recently started to get involved with is, is politics. So I'm now interested to, to hear how you're taking some of what you've learned through your, you know, your work as a leader and with Bertzog into into the political realm. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, they even I had an interview uh, last uh, Saturday evening. There was uh, there. There are elections next week in Holland, and I was preparing with some other people uh, a a new political party, but we didn't uh, we didn't finish it, <laughs> so we didn't. Uh, so we're, we're the party is. The party is over, I can say. <laughs> 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 but what we did in the meantime was to write our, our ideas down. And a lot of a lot of other parties can use these ideas. So what you see is that there is a, a kind of transition going on in, in in I think every field, every industry, but also in polit- politics. How, to, do we, how do we do politics? So my ideas from Buorch you can easily um, put them for example on the education system so if you say uh, if you look at our current education system um, the space that teachers have to connect with students is too small too little so it, it's not enough so they they are led by regulations and protocols and if you say, okay, what's important in the development of, uh, students, then you have to connect with the students. So you have to understand in what kind of, what kind of an environment are they? And how can I support them in their personal development in a way that it's effective? Um, if it becomes an anonymous, it's in big schools, and and where teachers are just teaching their program. It's becoming anonymous. And I think we should think about how can we create an environment where the development of students or or, or children are number one. And how can we focus on talents instead of all kind of courses where where children and students don't like to do. If you're hey, if you're if you're not good at uh, mathematics for example why should we why should we push children to do mathematics every day if you say okay we need a certain level of knowledge on these topics I can I can agree but I, like uh, it's what like Ken, Ken Robinson uh, said uh, the man died last year I think but he the had a
0: famous TED talk on education
1: it's beautiful so so, we are killing um the creativity the way we make schools so if you look uh, my I have three sons, and I think uh, they are I think they are great, but they all had problems at school because they didn't fit in the system so but I said no the the system doesn't fit them. <laughs> it's the other way around. So if you fit in the system, you become standard. And we have too many standardization, I think. So if you look at schools, if you look at the police force, I was talking to the police academy last week. And then they said, okay, we are creating new education programs for policemen. I said, oh, that's good. So what what do you use? And... They, they use all of the, the things that, that you learn at an MBA school. And, and I said, but if you, if you listen to a policeman now, if they're talking, what are they doing in daily practice and what, how do they deal with the practical problems they meet in their daily practice? And you, you make a program out of that. I think it would be much more useful. Then you learn them how to do to deal with all the regulations, and of course you also know have to know something about that. But you can learn in in your work. So so I I, I know a lot of policemen, and I know how frustrated they are to work in a system that where, for example, um, safety is so important, but they said we are not able to uh, prevent people from being safe because we have to do other things and spend so much much time on our administration that the safety uh is getting worse but if you if you can connect with the neighborhood like we are doing with Butsor um i went for out for an evening with one of the policemen in in our neighborhoods and he showed me if i can do this and this Part of my neighborhood, if I can do this, I'm connected with the restaurants here. If there's something going on, they call me and I feel responsible for it. Then you create a kind of collective responsibility for safety. Right. So, and But it asks for another dynamic. Then uh, I, So he said, this policeman said, Benny's his name. Benny said, I must be... Uh, I have to be owner of of my role in this neighborhood, and if I'm the owner, then I can go to these different places where I think it's very useful that I can um, also have a certain active role in keeping the environment safe and healthy. So, and he showed me how it really practical looked like. So, for example, he had an, an a small part of the neighborhood where a lot of young people were making trouble. And, and there was also in the same place, there was a boxing school. So he said, together with the boss of this boxing school, we made a program. We tried, we, we said, okay, let's try the young people who are making problems at street at on the street, that we invite them for a free boxing lesson. So they cut them in the boxing school. And and they, of course, they liked it because it was physical, sporting. And then they said, okay, we try when they are in, we also try to learn them something about how you can behave and how, you, how you can deal with your, if you are in this puberty, how you can deal with your aggression <laughs> and this. So I it, it thought this was amazing. So that's something that just um, came out of these two minds of the boss of the boxing school and this policeman. And this is happening all the time, but it's uh, the, the world around them are an obstacle. Yeah. So the boss, so the boss of this policeman, he has to follow the regulations from The Hague. And there is a lot of push on standardization of activities. And he said, no, I should follow the needs of my neighborhood. So, and all this, we wrote pieces on all these different uh, topics from the, uh, the political party I was uh, participating in with the idea that we should uh, learn from professionals. So we, we should give advices. Uh, uh, policemen should give advice on how you organize the police force. Teachers should give advice on how to develop the education system. Lawyers should give advice on how to deal with the legal system. So we had an idea that we should have all kinds of expert groups, so they were already participating, and that these expert groups were um, uh, involved in um, developing policies on these different topics. So it's not if you look now then politicians i think they said um 30% or perhaps even more um of the uh, politicians in uh, in parliament have a background in uh law so they have so they, they don't know anything about healthcare police force but they have a background in law so but what you see is that a lot of regulations, a lot of policies are based on risk, risk thinking. So yeah. risk thinking is, is, is the worst, I think the biggest enemy for creativity. Yeah. So, so if you build your laws and your regulations, on uh, risk thinking, then you're missing a lot of opportunities to develop. So, so yeah. that's my, my opinion. So, so I said, if if you use this creativity and all these minds of, of of teachers, nurses, doctors, lawyers, to, to create a society which is supporting people. So, if you say, what kind of purpose is, is, what kind of worldview do you have? Mine is that society should work in a way that we are supporting each other when it's needed. And to create, on the other side, to create independence. But there should be a balance in these two. So, so professions should be not be led by uh, financial motives, but they should be led by uh, human motives. So, yeah. But I, I wrote a book about uh, humanity above bureaucracy. So at first, we are all humans, so we should behave like humans, and we should be willing to support each other in a way that it's, that's developing society. Yeah, that creates new knowledge. So every time again, every generation should have better solutions. Yeah. So if because we can learn from the past, and if you, if you have an open mind to the future, you can find ways to deal in a better way with the problems of today. So that's this this, and I would I would like to. If I look at my my mother, she's eighty six. She has so much wisdom, but in the system, she's an old woman, which costs yeah. money for the state. So we should we should think about how can we create, uh, in 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 neighborhoods, how can we involve everybody, so inclusive neighborhood, inclusive society, where everybody can share their ideas and wisdom that we yeah. see people as people have learned a lot like like in other cultures uh, the elder people are the wise people they are asked for advice yeah and and we want to put them in nursing homes and in all kind of places because we don't it's it's a bit ugly to see it all day So then we put them there and we put a wall around it and we say okay we lock the door so my idea is we should make a society more open, human, inclusive, um, multicultural. Learn from different cultures instead of xenophobia. Uh, so all the new right parties, it's, it, I think it's terrible to see. I have um, my I have three sons and have three uh, daughters-in-law. One is Brazilian, one is uh, Tanzanian, and one is British. So my sons are living in a world of multicultural thinking and they learn yep. from all these cultures. So they're learning all the time and they are open to the world. So they have a lot of other perspective than when you're afraid of something. Fear, fear and risk thinking are two very damaging principles.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then the manifestation of it, as you say, is, is policies, yeah. regulations to manage that. Who are who are good at writing policies and regular lawyers. So we have a society dominated by lawyers. And uh, yeah, yeah, by lawyers and
1: economics. <laughs> yeah, so it's financial, financially driven, and I I think it should be human driven. Of course, it's it's good to think about how can we use the economics. Uh, and how can, how, how, what are the views on, on, on money? How can money support society? So, for example, the um, basic income. I don't, I think, why why shouldn't we give just everybody a basic income? How, how is it? We had a discussion with the minister who was in the same program I was on Saturday. And then he said, oh, I'm so, so, um, what did he say? He, I was, Um, So surprised that the uh, amount of homeless people, the amount of homeless people in Holland, doubled in 10 years' time. And I think the system as we have it is creating this. So, And he was surprised. As As if it's something, what's happening, just autonomous. Now this is the result. Of speculations of big projects where people can earn a lot of money by doing, but the the way the the price of the houses are rising in the cities. So there are no no regulations on that. So everybody is focusing on earning money uh, and creating something for themselves. So Mm -hmm. if you say no, that we have some collective things, there is some basic, there are some basic problems uh, where we should take care of as a society. We are such a rich country. How is it possible that hundreds of thousands of children are growing up in poverty? And and then we say, okay, how how can we do something about, but it's, it's in, it's part of the worldview we have, I think. And the way we systematically top down, organize everything based on these principles of risk avoiding and Um, fear because we think that people are misusing these systems. When We have this quite a big problem in Holland uh, last month where the the government stepped down because they they had more than 20,000 families who were accused by the tax authorities for fraud. So and in most of these cases, there was not any fraud, but it was just profiling, trying to to put people under a kind of um, scope. Uh, so now everybody is making excuses, from from the top of the uh, the ministers uh, to the tax authorities, everybody. But they did it; in it was possible in this system. In Holland, an open system, open society. We say transparent. It's not. So, so I think we. If, the only reason that I would like to go into politics is to, is to let let people see there is another way you can look at things. So there's another way to deal with these these topics, where everybody profits from. Yeah. And that's and that's what I wanted to show with with Buitzorg and it's it's my view on life and my view on humans people and it's also something i want to show my my children that there is a lot of things you can do if you follow your own path and your own uh intuition and and don't don't let people tell you what
0: you need to do <laughs> yeah. And, and it sounds to be like in your position as a leader of this, yeah, and trust others to do the same. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I know we're coming up on time. Um and there were several things I'd have loved to have delved you uh, know a bit deeper in on the political side, but I know you, I know you've got to leave us. So yours, thank you so much. Um we'll put the link to uh, the Bertzorg uh website and to the book uh, in the show notes, but uh, again for your time. Yeah. Thank you